0: This is the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. It's a Blood Red Podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along. 64 unbeaten, Fortress Anfield. Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool cementing a place in the history books. Firmino finds a way past the Foxes eventually and we'll preview Wednesday's Champions League action with Atalanta. Joining me to do all of that, our chief Liverpool writer Ian Doyle, Theo Squires and Matt Addison. Gentlemen, how are we all? Not bad yourself? Are you going to be breaking up a lot today? I hope not. I hope that Monday's issues from last week are behind (laughs) us and that we'll be all right for this week. Theo, how are you keeping?
1: Yeah, not too bad getting there. It's a very cold one today, so all wrapped up warm, ready to discuss the
0: Reds. Yeah, and there is a lot to get into. Matt, it was a, a great performance, as we were discussing on the, the debrief on the, the YouTube channel last night. It
2: certainly was, yeah. Perfect in all but one way. Another injury for Liverpool, as I'm sure we'll get into. But yeah, it was a thoroughly enjoyable performance, even though Doyley was very cold at the top of the main stand.
0: Yeah, have you thawed out yet, Doyley? No. It's absolutely free. The thing
3: is, it's it's not that wasn't actually you know that cold, but because you sat out on it for so long hours, it's just by the end of the game or when you finish your work, you you get up to move and your legs just like ice basically. But you know these are the things that we do for our job.
0: Yes, yeah, certainly. And uh, Doily, just on the the performance in general, I suppose Jurgen Klopp couldn't really have asked for better off the back of an international break. We were on Friday maybe a bit fearful of what Leicester could provide maybe on the break against Liverpool, but those fears were uh, unfounded. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we've
3: all been slightly guilty, perhaps. I mean, I wrote this straight after the games, that perhaps we haven't quite recognised just how good Liverpool actually are. I mean, coming up against the Leicester team, we went into the weekend top of the table, how we did speak on Friday, Our I actually thought were slightly one-dimensional, and that's how it, it turned out uh, at Anfield on Sunday. But... It was still, you know, they still beat City five, won five two at City, beat Arsenal. They, as I say, they've won, you know, they won six of their eight games. So when you consider that, okay, Leicester did have some players missing, but Liverpool without top scorer Salah, the skipper Jordan Henderson, the two main centre backs, and the most creative player in uh, in terms of creating chances, Titan Arnold, but not only did they beat Leicester, they, they could have won about six or seven nil. And I know, you know, Leicester gave Liverpool a bit of a. Yeah, a bit of help at the beginning with the on-go from Johnny Evans. But Liverpool had had quite a few chances before then. And you know, Brendan Rodgers said after the game, he said it himself, he, he just said the better team won and by far the better team. And, and I'm sure we'll get through individual performances. I mean, he looks like a Curtis Jones was making only his third-ever Premier League start and he helped dominate a midfield Europe against Madison Tielemans, uh, Mendy uh, and Harvey Barnes. So, you know, none the, of them are slouches. Yeah, Ginny Ginny playing in the defensive midfield role. He had another excellent game. And as, you know, as, Matt, as Matt said, Naby Keita, he did well until he got injured, which, you know, again, we'll come on to that as well. So, James Milner, you know, playing right back. And then he ended up going into midfield. He was, you know, was there a player on the pitch better than James Milner? I don't think so. And while this was, you know, this is was a great performance in that, the worry for Liverpool is the fact that they're running out of so many players. that How can they keep on repeating that kind of performance? And that's what we haven't even mentioned, you know, Fabinho coming back into the team and playing centre-back and, you know, Joel Matip, I thought Matip in particular was very good because he seemed to change his game. He was more aggressive, more proactive. You saw him stepping into midfield. Normally he'd step into midfield with the ball, but he was stepping into the midfield areas to go and get the ball, which is, you know, unusual for him because normally you'd say, you know, Van Dijk, possibly as kind of player who'd do that, be more aggressive. But Matip seems to take it upon himself to do that. So there were a lot of positives all the way through the through the team and it's that unusual situation isn't it where even you know Nico Williams comes on and plays half an hour every single player who played had a good game that doesn't happen all the time but Liverpool when it was a big game big stage a lot of people looking at them perhaps people thought they'd falter especially with Tottenham having won uh, the previous day to go top but Liverpool responded to all of that and as I said at, at the top perhaps they are better than a lot of us even think
0: yeah, definitely. And Theo, was it maybe on that point then that, that Doily references and makes there? Yes, there were a number of standout individual performances, but does that highlight that maybe the strength in the system for Jurgen Klopp, as opposed to the personnel? Because we looked at that midfield before the game, and I think a lot of people thought that may be one area that could be got at that's normally obviously so strong for Liverpool, but doesn't matter who was in there. They, they all played brilliantly.
1: I think Jurgen Klopp's referenced it a number of times, hasn't he? That uh, this Liverpool squad, right the way through down to the youth teams, they play the similar style of football where they're all working the same way. And when he's built such a strong squad now, it is a case that anyone can sub in and the drop-off isn't going to be that massive. Uh, The biggest example we can give of that is the fact that Mohamed Salah's missing and Diego Yota just carries on as he has all season so far. Uh, But Liverpool very much got this in their locker when they're playing um, these teams like Leicester. that they can just turn it on. It doesn't matter what setbacks they've suffered so far this season. They can take it to a new level when they need to. And we've seen it this season against Atalanta, against Arsenal, and now against Leicester too. And that's despite all the injuries. It's just this mentality. There's a reason fans call them the mentality monsters. Uh, like Compare it to Manchester City. They had a number of injuries last season in the campaign that it wasn't affected by COVID and all of this. And they didn't get anywhere near in the title race. And Liverpool this year, they've suffered far worse than anything City dealt with last season. And they're still finding a way to keep grinding out results and turn it on when they need to. The only exception would be the Aston Villa result. And I think we can all say now, while well, it didn't look at it at the time, it's certainly a freak result. Liverpool are such a strong team. And it'll be interesting to see if they can keep it going, if they pick up more injuries heading forward into what is going to be a busy festive period. But we say that every year. And it's just a uh, most encouraging thing, I think, is the fact that the kids went into it. Like Nico Williams coming off the bench, Curtis Jones and they put in a really mature performance. Jurgen Klopp has faith in these players, he trusts these players, and they've had opportunities before where it hasn't mattered as much when the title's already won. This is a big game for them when they're going to be relied on more and more, and they stood up and recounted in what could be top-of-the-table clash if the context carries on for the rest of the season, and it's a great sign going forward because they won't be the only kids Liverpool need to rely on the way things are going with these injuries. When you think of the centre-backs as well, it's just promising, hopefully, that they can sort of survive these injury scares, get through to the January transfer window with what they've got. But uh, definitely want to keep an eye on how <laughs> nothing can stop them at the moment.
0: Yeah, and certainly, and it was all part of a history-making performance, Matt, for the Reds, this unbeaten home record in the league, now stretching to 64 games, the best in Liverpool's history. And Diogo Jota keeps scoring at Anfield as well, everywhere you look. Huge positives. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Yeah, exactly that. I think there was, you know, a, a huge amount of, of really good performances. You know, the the names are, are obvious. Jota being one of them. I thought Andy Robertson was brilliant. Curtis Jones slotted in in midfield. I think those were, you know, three of the standouts. But there's probably a couple more that you could add to that list as well. And I think it, it, it's not just you said before, you know, about players being able to come in and, and play in that same system. I think it it underlines really that the squad depth that Liverpool have got now is probably better than what anybody thought it was. You look at how many injuries they've got. Okay. The bench didn't look the strongest, but there was still you know a, a couple of really highly rated young players on there. There was still you know someone like Devakarigi came off the bench, to Minamino, There were still players who could come on and, and do something if Liverpool needed them to. but it just shows really the the level of, of squad that Liverpool have got now. I think probably up until this point, we've probably underestimated just how strong the group is. You know, obviously we speak about injuries. We thought that, you know, maybe Leicester would prove to to be a challenge for Liverpool, but it was very much like the game on on Boxing Day last season for me in that Liverpool just really put down a, a real marker. They kept Leicester, who are a very good team. They've shown that enough times this season, but they kept them at arm's length at the very least and just made it look really comfortable, really easy, to be honest. And... Yeah, for me, again, it, we've said it a couple of times over the last couple of weeks, the performances that Liverpool have put in. For me, that was a real performance to say that Liverpool should be the absolute favourites for the Premier League title because you know Leicester have been right up there. There are other teams up there as well, but Liverpool just looked absolutely streets ahead of them.
0: Doyley, how good was James Milner? Because maybe he's someone who gets written off due to his age, but he came in and I suppose highlighted everything on what Jurgen Klopp would have been relying on on him for those I suppose intangibles that you can't really measure leadership sort of that mentality he brings to the group. The ideal person to to come in and captain the side when there were a few kids and a few players out of position. Well that, that
3: that's Milner, isn't it, for you? I mean you know exactly what you're gonna get. You know what kind of player he is. He can he's versatile he can play in the position. I mean the fact the fact that he played in two positions and key positions are actually in the course of one game does it all. The other thing about Milner is that he hasn't actually played that much this season. And I know there were one or two wondering whether he'd get his minutes at the start of the campaign, given all the options Liverpool have had. But you know, we, know we always suspected that there would be these kind of injury problems. If perhaps not as many as Liverpool have had in one go, so he was—he's he, somebody who can come in. And you could uh, something that I'm not sure whether it came across on television is that he was very, very vocal as well. We've spoken in the past about that. You can hear him, you know, with obviously with no fans there at the moment. You can hear what he was shouting and, and cajoling the players through. But it was the turn of Milner he was doing, especially in the second half when. Leicester had the little battle pressure where they were, you know, they gave it a little bit more of a go at 2 0. You could hear that Milan was the one who was telling the team to get out and to stay compact and to close players down. And that all kind of helps, especially when you do have youngsters such as Nico Williams was on at that point. Curtis Jones, we mentioned he was only, only making his third Premier League start. So just picking up a point that Theo said as well is that the youngsters, the games towards the end of last season, which didn't so much count in terms of the actual score lines because Liverpool had already won the title, but that's kind of helped. These youngsters in a way because they they know they're going into these games. Going well, I've already played about four or five already. You know, Nico Williams in particular. I think he's going to be playing a few games possibly over the next week or so because I can't imagine Milner will be starting every single game on the base of his age. So this is where that kind of you know the, the situation that Liverpool made themselves towards the end of last season is now going to help them. And the fact that Milner hasn't played as say that much this season that will make him even more important over the next couple of weeks.
0: Yes, certainly. So uh, another player who'd actually been spoken about a lot prior to the international break and a dip in form did finally find a way through Theo. That, of course, Roberto Firmino. And even before his goal, he seemed to be doing so much good work off the ball in terms of the press linking up. I mean, even sort of helping in the build up to the move that saw Diogo Jota grab his goal the second for Liverpool. He seemed to play such a key role in all, all in the end, topped off with the goal for him.
1: I feel a bit sorry for Roberto Firmino because he's got a couple of goals this season and it's almost it doesn't matter when he scores. It gets overlooked. Like the commentators last night, they were still talking as though he'd not scored at Anfield in over a year or something. Well, he must have got two at Anfield since then by now. And it's one of those for him where it's almost playing on his mind. Like you could see, I think it was when he did some fabulous footwork in the box when he hit the post. Uh, It's like, well, he's done everything right. He's hit that really well and he's so unlucky he's not scored and it's rebounded off his shin and it's cleared off the line by the smallest of margins like, well, what more can he do and that's when you get that seed of doubt there in his head when he knows there are all these questions being asked about his goal scoring contributions I think he had another one didn't he where he hit the post where was it Yotta crossed it or he was rivalling um, Johnny Evans for the ball but He's involved. He always wants to get involved. He always wants to get on the ball and he wants to try something different. He is so special to this Liverpool team. He's so important to how all the build-up play is, comes from him. Like if you say to anyone, Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool, Firmino is usually the first player you all think of. And it's just good for him that he can get off the score, get on the score sheet, because <laughs> it was a long time coming. He was so unlucky. On another day, we could be saying Roberto Firmino got a hat trick and he tore Leicester City apart. It was a good performance from him. And you just think, well, what the narrative have been if he didn't get that header late on? Everybody had already been writing him off, saying he was cursed, he was jinxed. It was one of those days for him. We thought, well, no, he's played well. <laughs> he's certainly playing a lot better now than he was a month ago. He's had a good international break with Brazil again. And when uh, Liverpool have got these issues with players being unavailable, he's going to be another one where you can just put him in every week because he rarely misses games. He's going to need to be relied on. and Hopefully, the goal now can give him that confidence where he's put his doubters to bed. Because you could see those uh, thoughts in his side his head when he was getting frustrated, and then the celebrations with all players running to him when he did get his goal. Uh, hopefully, it's a monkey off his back. Full steam ahead going into next week against. Atalanta in the Champions League.
0: Yes, certainly. As you say, he was dropping, it seemed even deeper than he normally does. And against a back three, now we've mentioned on Friday's podcast that Liverpool have so far this season opted for the 4-2-3-1 against those. But a lot of times yesterday, he dropped so deep that it was Jota and uh, Mane who really did push onto them. And it did cause havoc, making them have to drop so deep. And Liverpool had control of the midfield, Matt. And one player who I know you've seen an awful lot of, as has Doyley at the academy, is Curtis Jones, who seemed to have to, I suppose, relinquish his natural game play a more steady game in the midfield as Doily said as well only his third Premier League start but he was so assured in the midfield
2: Yeah he was a a crucial part of it I thought it was a really really mature performance from him you forget you know how young he is when you see him play those sorts of matches where he can play that sort of controlling dominant sort of role that we've seen him play we've seen Obviously lots of players under Jürgen Klopp playing roles that you probably wouldn't stereotypically think that they would be good at. Gino and is the obvious example as that of that. And I think we saw, you know, a little bit of that from from Curtis yesterday. When you looked at, you know, the, the three midfielders on paper, you wondered quite how they would work together, whether it would be the right mould, the right balance. But it certainly was. I thought both he and Nabi Cater until he went off worked really hard. They He's obviously developed a lot over the last 12 months, I think, in terms of his defensive game, getting himself into the right positions to make interceptions, latching on to, to different balls and, and sensing where the danger is. Because, you know, we've seen, you know, a year or so ago, we were talking about how he'd added goals to his game. He'd, he'd added more contributions in terms of assists and, and passes and stuff going forward. But now he's sort of developed again, but the other way in, in a defensive sense to sort of develop. You know those sort of senses and and sensing the danger so he's sort of becoming a a sort of all-round midfielder which I suppose is exactly what you have to be if you want to to play for a Jurgen Klopp team and I think that the most interesting um, part of the performance for me was that he started he played the full game and Jurgen Klopp trusted him because I think there would be a lot of managers or certainly a lot of players you wouldn't trust to, to be in that sort of role to do that sort of, of thing against a team as good as Leicester and if you looked at, at him without knowing the age of someone like a James Madison or Harvey Barnes or someone like that you would never know that he was the youngest by a, a distance compared to those other players so yeah it, it it was brilliant to see it was good to see another step forward another development for him but there's so much more from him to, to come I think and you know, it's his third Premier League start. I think there's going to be a lot, lot more before the end of this season because if you can put in that sort of performance against a team as good as Leicester, well, you can pretty much do it against any other team as well.
0: Yeah, don't want to sort of get too ahead of ourselves, totally, but could he almost, I suppose, skip through extra fast a couple of steps in his development towards being a regular for Liverpool in sort of the the current injury situation that we see Nabi Keita of course came off but if he can prove that he's reliable stay fit and there's so many games to come he, before he knows it he could well be sort of a, a key trusted player as Matt alludes to there for Jurgen Klopp
3: well the short answer to that is yes the longer answer to that is the fact that he already I think as far as Klopp's concerned he already is a first team option I think they already, they already consider him as being somebody who he's I mean, got a very mind. He started a couple of Champions League games already this season as well. He scored a couple of goals in the in the League Cup, so he's been in and around probably since they came back from lockdown. And I think yeah, it was interesting. Jurgen Klopp said towards the end of the last season he was asked about Curtis Jones, and he said, "Oh, we're looking forward to having some fun with him next season." When he the the suggestion was he might go on loan, but there's never been any inside the club. There's never been any thought or consideration of that for this season and you can see why because he's, he's heavily involved and well say klopp said we can have fun with him as, as matt said it's the fact that he could he did the defensive role he did the dirty work there was one i mean i mentioned it in, in one of my pieces this morning where he chased back jamie vardy after i think i think somebody lost that maybe for lost the ball and he raced back could have been a dangerous counter-attack but not only did he then win the ball he then used it and liverpool won a free kick on the edge of the area so He's doing the kind of things that he's obviously seen. The likes have got Alden who could play in various roles. You've seen Henderson Fabinho. They can play in that defensive midfield role. He's picking up bits all the time. The thing about Curtis Jones is it was only, I think it was only 18 months ago, possibly a little bit more than that. I remember being at a under-23s game at, uh, at Derby. It was at Derby's training ground. I think it's when Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain made his comeback and I think he got injured, but that's why we were all there for it. And I'm... Curtis had a very good game and it was Neil Criske at the time and he was asked about it. And he's, he's, he, it's the first time he would played like as a as a left, on a, not in a forward but in a left, mid, left midfield like attacking role. And that was then that people think, oh, he could become this player where he can play in this attacking position. But he's always been a central midfielder. And I think that's where he'll, he'll always end up being. That, and that's where he'll end up being. And I don't want to compare him with other players, but there have been other Liverpool midfielders who've been homegrown in the past 20 years who've been quite good at football. So, not say he's going to do that but he's got the confidence that perhaps a 19 year old who's making on his third premier league start shouldn't really have it'll be interesting to see what happens with him over the over the course of this season but any suggestions that you know that should be trusted in him they've gone now i'm always amazed when someone says Curtis jones
1: age cuz he doesn't seem like he's 19 does he it like he feels like he's so like 23 24 one of those players that's been around a few years and should be at his peak heading towards his peak because he's so mature and it's going to be a natural progression for him in this Liverpool midfield and I think he's got all the players around him to be perfect for his career. He's set up perfectly for it. we, We saw Adam Alana leave in the summer and it was well he's going to get that role in the team so he can be this attacking midfielder uh, get a few more opportunities he's still got the likes of Jordan Henderson James Milner to learn off Junior Wijnaldum they brought in Thiago Alcantara who's another class entirely who he can learn off and um, we're probably looking at next summer well Junior Wijnaldum could leave James Milner we've mentioned his age he's going to have what a year or two left at Liverpool. And then that's further opportunities to come in there. And along the same time then, well, Jordan Henderson then will be in his, what, mid-30s. So he'll be eased out slightly. Thiago is the same. So it's like almost how Steven Gerrard got into the Liverpool team. Now, as Doyle said, we're not going to compare him and say he's the next Steven Gerrard or anything. But they've got the right players around him to get the best from him, for him to learn off. Like with um, Gerrard, he's always said about Jamie Redknapp, Paul Ince, Gary McAllister. And he got more and more opportunities as these players were eased out. And you can see the same sort of thing happening with Curtis Jones. You're just waiting for these interviews in five years' time, ten years' time, when he's saying how great it was for him to play alongside a Genie Wijnaldum, a Thiago Alcantara, how good they were for him. Same for Henderson, Lallana, Milner. And it's not a case of whether he needs to go out on loan if the opportunities dry up when players are all back and it's a normal season again, because the opportunities are there, and you think he's learning so much in training playing alongside these players, getting the opportunities he does. And he does look more and more a player with every single performance. Like Matt said now, the fact he's got that defensive side to his game as well. He's 19. He's 19. He should not be playing as he is, as mature as he is. He's years ahead of what you'd expect. And it's one where if uh, he keeps it up and he has a good run in the season, could even make a late claim for the England squad for Euro twenty twenty. Certainly, one to watch, and you can see why Jurgen Klopp says they're going to have fun with him because it's the same watching him as a journalist, a fan. You know there's a player in there, and you're excited to see what sort of
0: talent can emerge in the years ahead. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Let's talk about that that second goal, Matt in particular. The pick of the goals, what was it, a 30-pass move that eventually went out to Andy Robertson, crossed in, and Diogo Giotto just proving the repertoire of all different goals that he has in the locker. There doesn't seem to be a, a trademark Diogo Giotto goal. It seems to be anytime the ball's in the box, he's looking to get on the end of it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Clinical, isn't it, at the moment, and long may that continue. I think we knew that there was a, a good player in there, often using left and right foot but I don't think many people saw him as somebody who would be heading in too many goals and he's already got a couple in just the first few weeks of his Liverpool career so it's obviously you know a big win I think for for Liverpool's recruitment team I think a few eyebrows were raised when you know they paid what was it an initial 41 million for him that seemed like a, a big chunk of money to be spending on on someone who people maybe didn't quite realize his full potential he wasn't necessarily a, a regular towards the back end of, of last season them for walls but again you know michael edwards the scouting team the analysts they've obviously seen something in the data which suggested that he could improve and, and so far you know he, he's done that already i mean to have done the improvements in just the first few weeks of his liverpool career it makes you think, you know, potentially, what can he do before the end of this season? What can he do when he gets even more settled at Anfield? I think, you know, the, the big thing for me last night, and I, I said it on the debrief, I think, was that Mohamed Salah wasn't playing for Liverpool against a team which was meant to be a title rival. And nobody's really noticed i think diogo jota is a big reason for that that you know not just the the liverpool performance as a whole but you know to to have a player as important as mohammed salah not there for for jota just to step up score the goal do the pressing do the all the the things that salah does but you know in a slightly different way of course i think you know for for him to step up and you know fill that void with such ease i think that shows exactly why liverpool spent the money on him and you know, as much as eyebrows were raised at forty one million, he could easily be worth double that by now because he's already, you know, shown what he can do, the, the goals, the the all round game. He just looks to be the perfect Liverpool player.
0: Yeah, he certainly does. Before we move on to the Atalanta game and our team selections, Doyle, we best get an update on the injury situation. We saw Naby Kater go off. Jürgen Klopp was asked after the game and said it was a hamstring issue. But where are we with Mohamed Salah and Jordan Shakiri?
3: Well, Jenna it appears as though he picked up an injury on international duty, which he didn't know about until he came back. And Liverpool didn't know about until he did a little bit of a scan. So who knows how long he's going to be out for. Cater, uh, as you said, he's suffered a hamstring injury. Again, he'll have some kind of scans this, this week. I'm sure we'll learn a bit more tomorrow when Jurgen Klopp does his press conference. And Mohamed Salah, he uh, has tested negative now for coronavirus, which we're pretty sure means that he can start training today. And that means that he's going to be in contention for the game against Atalanta. But uh, otherwise, the only other update possibly is from uh, Jürgen Klopp spoke about Thiago as well after the game. And he's he's said that, you know, he's, he's not started team training yet, which kind of you know, there was some suggestion on social media uh, over the weekend that he was going to be on the bench and we never agreed with that because you know just because a man is you know pictured on some steps doesn't mean that he's actually going to be playing football and which i know we spoke about on friday and who knew it turns out that was the case um but it looks like he klopp said he's not too far away but without wanting to commit to any kind of date the suggestion it sounds like is though he might not be too far away possibly not atlanta but maybe brighton and i know i've just come on and said that but you know there you go
0: so he's stepping up his return, then, is he? For, for...
3: He is, yeah. That's what we'd say. We'd say he's edging ever nearer a first team return.
0: Yeah, good stuff. Well, let's.
1: I'm looking forward to this appearing on news now. Ian Doyle <laughs> says, uh,
3: no, I'll go spit for Brighton.
0: <laughs> let's uh, get on to the Atalanta game then, Theo. How important is this for Liverpool? They know with a win they qualify for the knockout stage and maybe coupled with if Midland could beat Ajax it would mean that if Liverpool can win they'd win the group as well and be able to put their feet up for the last two Champions League games
1: I think you've just answered your question yourself that's how important (laughs) it is Uh, if Liverpool win They're through. And when you've got so many injuries and you've got such a congested fixture list, that is the dream scenario. Uh, I think we can all safely assume Atalanta will be feeling a bit miffed at how emphatic the defeat was over in Italy. And they'll want to put a few scores right at Anfield. And while there might not be fans, it's still a big opportunity for them to go to one of these famous stadiums in European football and uh, claim a result. But Liverpool, they just need to do what they always do and step up again and get the result not fall into all these stories. Um, And if they can put in that performance and get it done early, as we've mentioned on podcasts before, then it's all the better because then it gives Jurgen Klopp the opportunity to rotate for the final two games and have confidence in his team that they can get the the results. Uh, This is probably one of the harder games left out of the three when you've got Ajax at home as well. But if the job's already done, it doesn't matter to the extent And when in Champions League football, you're still able to have your five substitutes. It means Jürgen Klopp can be rest easy if he does do a rotated eleven, And it's not quite going his way But he can bring on the big guns to try and win the group against Ajax. Uh, As I said, Atlanta probably will want to put a statement out there. Uh, Liverpool won't have many options to rotate from the number of players they've got injured at the moment. So just build on Leicester, see what they can do.
0: Matt, how do you see? Because we were probably expecting a bit more from Atalanta in the reverse game, but also for Liverpool, building, I suppose, off the result on Sunday night, it may be a chance to get a few wins together and really power that juggernaut up and get some real consistency within the performance.
2: Yeah, I think what we've seen in the first game is that if Liverpool play well, they will win. I think Atalanta will improve, but I think, you know, Liverpool that have got more than enough if they play as well or or similar to, to how they played against Leicester, they'll, you know, again, they'll win it with, with ease. So it's hugely important for them to do that. I think we talk about will Jürgen Klopp go as strong as possible? Will he make a few changes? There's probably not that many changes that he can make given the injury situation at the moment, but I suppose if, if you ask me which is the more important game, is it the Wednesday night game or is it the weekend against Brighton? Well, you've got to, to say the Brighton game, the Premier League is is probably more important at this stage. Liverpool have still got a couple of games if they were to lose. I don't think they will, but if they were to lose in the Champions League, they will still probably get through because there's a couple more matches to spare. So I think we'll see a, a team with a couple of changes in there. But again, it, it's one of those where you look at, at the depth, the, the squad that, the, that Jurgen Klopp has got to pick from it at this moment in time. I think even if Liverpool were to make a couple of changes, they can still win that. And I think that's probably what he will end up doing because as much as it, it is important, I don't think it, it's so important that you put all of the emphasis on that and and neglect the, the weekend. So, yeah, I would expect a couple of changes, but I still expect Liverpool to win. And I think this is the, the first season ever they've won the first three Champions League group games, isn't it? But I'd be backing them to, to make it four out of four, I think.
0: Yeah, and Doyle, it's it's Wednesday night followed by Saturday uh, half past twelve, which Jurgen Klopp isn't best pleased about. Certainly, with as we've alluded to there, the lack of options he's already got.
3: Yeah, Ian Doyle is also not pleased about that. Um, <laughs> it's a, it's a long way to Brighton. I haven't already. I did it, didn't I? In July, so that that was a bit of a trek. Um, but yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I think. I actually think it'll be a really tough game for Liverpool. I think Atalanta, Theo's right, they will not have been happy about what happened the other week in Italy. I think they don't think that's a fair representation of how they see themselves. And I think it'll I think it be a, a very difficult game for Liverpool, certainly a lot more difficult than the first game. And I think when you look at the... I think they will make quite a few changes. They'll come onto the team in a bit. But again, Matt's right, it's not the most important game because if they get it wrong, they've still got another two chances. Ajax at home. Uh, next week, and then obviously in, in Dev- Oh, well, I'm going to say in Denmark, but wherever the game gets played, you know, some suggesting it could be Germany, but uh, you know, we'll deal with that a bit further down the line. But, but yeah, I think I think the interesting thing we said about you mentioned, Guy, about Liverpool putting together a sequence of, of wins. I had a look at it before. I think they played 15 games this season, and they've only lost one game in 90 minutes, which was the, obviously the Aston Villa game. Obviously, they had the two very very unlucky penalty shootout defeats to Arsenal, but uh, other than that. They've they've managed to get the results that they needed to get, which is why, despite all of these injuries, they they are top of the well joint top of the table, and obviously they've got Tottenham coming up well before before Christmas, which will be an interesting one. But this perhaps is a time in terms of the league games when you look at some of the fixtures that people got coming up, where they can pick up some points because it's going to be difficult the nearer they get to Christmas with the amount of games they've got there.
0: Is it one of those then on that, Doily, just that you sort of even forget last season when Liverpool winning so many games, you sort of, with hindsight, think about it and think, oh, Liverpool dominated and absolutely sort of battered everyone and pushed them aside easily, that there were so many, certainly through the autumn, games in which Liverpool came from behind to win or won by the odd goal that actually they don't always sort of put on a stellar performance, but they make sure they just keep chipping away with the three points each time.
3: Well, no, it's interesting because I think at the towards the end of last season we were all doing our reviews of the season saying, What's the best game Liverpool have played this season? And you went, Well, the Leicester one, obviously, the 4-0. Then after that you were like, Well, they beat City 3-1, but City did quite well in the second half. And almost all of the games were like actually quite close. You know, you think of like Aston Villa away, Tottenham at home, Tottenham away, United at home. You we know, they scored the last minute to make it 2-0, but that was a bit of a tough one in the second half. There was an awful lot of that. But when you think of the previous seasons where liverpool perhaps weren't as consistent they were knocking teams over six one five nil whatever happy they were doing that quite a lot but there's been a lot less of that and that's what made sunday yesterday's game so impressive is the fact that they managed to win at a relative counter you know three nil as i said before could have been five six seven but the fact that it was three nil and they shut out, you know, Jamie Vardy, he'd scored nine and eight before that game, even if they had one shot on target, wasn't it? So they managed to, well, Leicester weren't at their best. It's the fact that, you know, as Matt said right at the start of the uh, start of this, this podcast, it's, it's the system, they all seem to know how to play in it. And while you do need players of a certain standard, and you need little relationships and partnerships on the field to, to make it a success, it's the fact that all the players buy into it. And it's that whole ethos that's come straight, straight through the club which is where you've got the likes of Reese Williams able to come in and perform. You've got Curtis Jones playing like somebody's played 300 Premier League games, let alone three starts. That all helps, and it doesn't happen overnight, which is why, even if Liverpool don't win the league this season, because there will come a time when if they just keep on picking up injuries, they will start losing games if this keeps on happening. They'll still be the team to beat.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, let's get into our team selections then for the Atalanta game on Wednesday evening. Of course, we're recording this before Jürgen Klopp's press conference. So not sure entirely who's definitely going to make the cut, but I'll uh, make the bold call of calling the goalkeeper, Alison Becker. Theo, I'll uh, I'll pass the defence on to you.
1: Thanks, mate. That's nice and easy. Um, (laughs) Andy Robertson, left back. Joel Matip, centre back. Uh, I'm torn here because part of me would put Rhys Williams in uh, but part of me would put Fabinho because I think the centre back partnership—it's one where it's the one place on the pitch you don't want to rotate. You want that stability there, but you don't want to lose another player to injury there, especially when Matip and Fabinho just back from injury. And then it's at right back as well. Where do you need James Milner most for this game? Uh, <laughs> I think I'll go Milner right back with Williams centre back, and then Fabinho can be in midfield. I'll probably change my mind when we do our team selector tomorrow. So,
0: Yeah, yeah always is always is the case. <laughs> Matt, what, what do you think about that defence? Are you happy with that or would you go with something different?
2: It's, it's a really tough one. I'm not going to pick Joel Matip. I don't think you can trust him to play another game with Brighton at the weekend as well. So I'm going to play Fabinho, even though, again, that's a, a slight risk given he's just come back from his own injury. But I'm going to play Fabinho and Reese Williams at centre-back. Therefore, I'm going to play Milner at right-back rather than Nico Williams, so you don't have both of the two youthful players in the back four. And Andy Robertson, I think, has to be at left-back, though. Kostas Simakas is fit, and at some point he does have to to come in and and give Andy Robertson a rest. I just think the fact that there's a couple of other changes in the back four makes me think maybe you go with uh, a little bit more experience. So, yeah, Robertson at left-back and and Milner at right-back again.
0: Yeah, Sean very much on Friday, Dolly, was saying how this is the game to get Andy Robertson through, then wrap him up in cotton wool and play Simicast. Would you go along with that or are you going with Matt and Theo and Andy Robertson gets a, gets the nod? Well,
3: first thing, I think Simicast will play. Uh, I, don't, I think Andy Robertson just can't keep on going on forever. And as we've kind of suggested, if Liverpool do mess it up in this game, they've got another two. To sort it out so I think this is a ideal time to rest him. I also think there's no it's interesting because there's no way them that, that Milner, Fabinho and Matip are going to start all three of these games and without wishing to do the team selective of the bank game. I think I think Fabinho and Nat Phillips will be a good partnership in in at centre back there because I don't think that Brighton have got the quickest players. So I'd have Reese Williams and Matip at centre back. For the, uh, for the Atalanta game because, you know, Bruce Williams has played 90 minutes against them already, so he knows what to expect. And at right back, um, I think I might go Nico Williams, you know. I think I'm going to go Nico Williams. I thought I was quite impressed with what he did in this, when he came on for the last half hour. He's waited quite a while to get a few more minutes. And, again, I don't think Milner will be able to, you know, play those three games. And he might be needed at the weekend, although when we go into our midfield... We kind of are assuming that Henderson, I'm assuming we're going to assume Henderson's not playing, whereas I think he might, which will then, that kind of impact on who you play midfield, because if Henderson can't play, if you've got Wijnaldum and and Jones, then who's the other one? And they're not going to play four up front, I don't think anyway, because I think they rotate some of the forwards. So I'm sticking with Nico Williams at right back.
0: Right, OK. I, I don't really know where the rest of the back four is there, but that, that's no <laughs> problem whatsoever. Matt, I'll come to you for your midfield. It was four, two, three, one last time they played Atalanta. Are they going to go with that again?
2: I am going to go for that again. I'm not 100% convinced that Jurgen Klopp will, but I think for me, it would be... Uh, I think Wan Aldam and Curtis Jones. I think Curtis Jones, as we said before, has proven he can do a, a defensive job, and it's a it's a very attacking four two three one. But my two is going to be Genie Wan and Curtis Jones.
0: Theo, does that sound good to you, or are you going to go three man midfield?
2: Mine's three man. Uh,
1: Fabinho Holding, as I said, with Genie and Curtis Jones. Uh, I'm struggling to think of any other options there. For assuming everyone else is out, I know Doyles just said about Anderson. But then I think with the quick turnaround anyway, even if Henderson is fit, I'd rather save him for Brighton. Uh, Tiago Alcantara, well, we just don't know. Yeah, it's the only players left, really, that I can think of.
0: Doily? Well, well,
3: well, Jones and Van Elden will have to play. And then I think for the third one, I'm playing three midfield. It's going to be one of the other three. Where I've just you know, Fabinho could play there. Uh, Milner could play there, or Henderson could play there. One of those three. I don't think all three of them will play.
0: Jurgen Klopp's just ip dip do just working it out. <laughs> which, which one <laughs> well, it's is
3: hard, it? isn't it? Because yeah. we're kind of like this. This is the, the the problem that he's got because he has so many injuries. Like we've got to we have to assume Keita and Shakiri are not playing, and we have to also assume that Jones and Wan have come th- came through the game being pretty fit. And then he's got to juggle. He kind of got to second guess that. you've got to hope that nobody gets gets any more injuries before the next couple of games. But I think as, as Theo said you know, a little bit earlier on, the fact that it's five subs, you can stick all of these players on the bench and if things aren't going well, you can just bring them all on.
0: Yeah, certainly. What's your forward line going to be then, Doily?
3: Um, I'm going to be crazy. I think Salah's obviously got to play. Um, I think Mane look tired, so I'll put Jota on the left. Uh, and I think I'm going to put Miramino down the middle. Milamino, although I wouldn't be surprised if Firmino plays because obviously he got his goal. What I would say about Firmino is that I'm pretty right in saying that he scored three in his last six home games in the Premier League, which for any striker, you'd say that's actually quite quite a good return when you've got Jota netting loads, Mane scoring loads, and, 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 uh, and Salah being the top scorer. So I actually think Firmino's goal record in the Premier League at home lately is actually quite good.
0: And what two in two home games in the Champions League, Atletico Madrid and Midland, did he play against Midland?
3: Uh you know he missed it me, didn't he? didn't he miss a sitter? Yeah, yeah, I think he did. Yeah. Yeah, he missed it yeah. yeah. No, forget that. Did don't don't mention that.
0: No, yeah, fair enough. Um
3: uh, Matt... yes, no, so I'm gonna go Minamino down the middle and, and um uh, Jota and, and, and
0: Salah. Yeah. Matt, how's your forward line looking?
2: Uh very similar to that, but obviously it's a front four, so Salah on the right, Jota left, and then Minamino and Firmino as nine and ten, whichever way they fancy it.
0: Yeah, that does sound like a good lineup. Uh, Theo, what about yourself?
2: Uh, I agree.
1: Mane needs a rest, so Mane can be on the bench. I think I'll go Yotta on the left, because he's in form. You can't really drop him. He's going to be keen to get another few goals against Atalanta. Uh, It'd be harsh, I think, to drop Firmino when he's got his goal, so I'll play him centrally. And I think I want to save Salah for Brighton, just because he's not trained much. Uh, the fact that Sadio Mane has been a bit up and down since he had COVID himself, you're expecting a gradual return for Salah. So save him for the league game and have Minamino on the other flank
0: you're gonna go for a Rigi for a moment but he doesn't make anyone's team let's wait for him to come off the bench and get a second half hat-trick anyway lads what are the uh, match predictions forgot to do this on Friday which is unfortunate because I was going to say three nil doily but uh what are you gonna say oh yeah the- yeah we know we know what you were trying to say <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're gonna say the same as me <laughs> what, what are you gonna predict for uh for Wednesday night? Um, I think Atalanta
3: will be well up for it because it's a big game for them. They need to get some points given the you know they're battling with Ajax presumably for second place. If Liverpool don't get the job done, but I think it'll be two all. Which I think at the start of the group, if you just had ten points from twelve, you just said excellent.
0: Matt, you've already teased us saying it's going to be a win for Liverpool. What's the scoreline going to be?
2: Uh, uh, It's very hard to predict. I'm going to go 3-1. I think Atalanta probably will score. I think they'll put in a much better performance, but I think Jota and probably Salah will be very up for it as well. So, yeah, I think Liverpool win.
0: And Theo, what about yourself?
1: Uh, It depends which Atalanta side show up. If they play like they did in the first game with the defence so high, Liverpool could score as many as they want. But I think they'll be... A bit more cautious about this. though. obviously want to get revenge. So let's go 2-1 Liverpool.
0: 2-1 Liverpool. Right, let's wait and see how it does play out. Remember, you can check everything out in the build-up to the game as well as all of the reaction across the Liverpool Echo website. You can also, in the description for the podcast, find the link to our newsletter where you can get the uh, top Liverpool stories directly to your inbox. And don't forget, the Blood Red channel will be across Jurgen Klopp's press conference as well as plenty of reaction after the game on Wednesday night. But from myself, Guy Clark, Theo Squires, Matt Addison and Ian Doyle, thanks for your time and company. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.